another day, another show here on Dash Radio every Wednesday, 9 a.m. Eastern, and I am I'm in such a great mood. Do you want to know why? Zach, did your voice just crack? I don't. Maybe I don't know. I so I was telling Matt my <laughs> my, my AirPods weren't working, so I had to use these in-ear monitors. And if anyone's ever used in-ear monitors, mostly musicians, uh, you know how you can't hear anything outside of these. So I can barely hear my own voice right now. Zach, I wish I couldn't even hear your voice right now. You like oh, that? Oh, I bet you every listener wish they couldn't hear your voice right now. Um, but yeah, dude, well, <laughs> that's what you are. What am I? What? <laughs> what <laughs> do you want to know why i'm in such a good mood uh tell me so you know how i love fantasy basketball and I, hey i do know i have the highest points against in our entire league like okay. cumulative throughout the weeks because what how it goes is you play one guy one week monday through sunday win lose play mm-hmm. another guy monday through sunday win lose but as far as points accumulated throughout the whole season so far i have the highest points against so like, that's not a good thing. But what I also have is the highest amount of points for, and therefore okay. I am first place in my league while having the toughest time doing it. I think I have the best team in the entire league, in the entire world, really. Well, it's because you have Jalen Brown, correct? I do have Jalen Brown. I got him 73rd overall. Like, what a steal. What a steal. But you know what's even better than uh, than fantasy basketball? Thrive Fantasy? Thrive Fantasy. The app you can you, download. You read my mind. <laughs> the app you can download, which fused the prop app- bets with fantasy to make a beautiful baby called prop prop fantasy. Mm. And I like how you say how you preface it with the app you can download. Like there are apps you can't download. I love that. Love that about you. Never change. Thank you. Uh, I think it's also a You're website, welcome. so you can go to the website. But when you sign up. Use promo code PLAYGROUNDER. It's the name of this pod. Pretty easy. Just promo code PLAYGROUNDER. And when you make your first deposit of $20 or more, ranging up to $50, Thrive will match your deposit. So you put in $25, they'll give you $25. put in $50, they'll give you $50. It's free money when you use the code PLAYGROUNDER. So just download it and use it and have fun because it's a really dope app. Yeah, Zach. uh, We know how much everyone loves it, and it speaks for itself. What's on the docket for today's show? Why don't we start talking about your Boston Celtics since they – it feels like they haven't played basketball in forever. Um, oh, my gosh. I know. But I'm happy they're back. back. They're happy they're back, uh, getting blown out to the Knicks as usual. No, but they're first place in the East, right? So I can't trash talk. My team's doo-doo. God, nothing, nothing is worse than like – when you take time out of your day to watch your team and it's just an absolute blowout, like basically from start to finish, especially against I know what you mean. I, I, I was going to say a dumpy team like the, the Knicks, but they're, they're not dumpy. Um, they're, they're decent. They're a decent basketball team this year and good for them. But let's do some quick Celtics stuff. Kemba Walker came back. Um, Celtics obviously weren't at full total health. They didn't have time Lord, didn't have Jason Tatum, but Kemba Walker looked okay. Like he, he had some good quotes after the game. He was like, listen, I can't remember the last time I didn't play with any pain. So it looks like he's pain-free. It looks like their strengthening program for his knee worked. And more importantly, one thing that I noticed, and, and maybe you guys want to go to like, you know, go to the stats, the advanced, uh, advanced stats on NBA.com and check this out. But he looked to be transitioning into like more of a distributor. Um, and, and, Perhaps that's the role that he's going to play 
Uh, at, you know, who knows? Who knows? Going forward, it's a really small sample size, but he looked pretty good in his decision making, and that shot is obviously going to fall. So, Zach, you know what? Let me spin this and ask you, man. If if Kemba looks like, you know, Charlotte Kemba, right? And Jalen and Jason continue to to play well, and guys like Time Lord continue their their progression. Can you see this team? coming out of the east or do you still or, or do you still think yeah they don't really have a chance uh i think they're good i think they're really good i think here here here's the way i'm gonna say it i don't think they'll come out of the east not because they're not good enough but because i think this brooklyn team is just they're so good and obviously we have to see how they play with Kyrie back because right now with james harden and kd i almost if i was a nets fan i'd almost just kind of hope that Kyrie doesn't come back now, obviously, with a guy as talented as Kyrie, you have the chance to add him and be even better. But I don't know. They're looking really, really good. They obviously have a crazy amount of talent. But I can't see anyone but Brooklyn coming out of the East barring injury. Yeah, I mean, listen, they, they played Milwaukee last night. And, like, I, I tuned into the fourth quarter of that game. And I was like, okay, you know, it, it was a tight game um, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, like, Brooklyn's two stars just go on this run. Right, where like James Harden is doing James Harden stuff and Kevin Durant is doing Kevin Durant stuff. And what <laughs> at some point, as as tightly as you defend them, um, you know, I think CJ McCollum had a quote today and he put it best. He's like, Listen, you, you Kevin Durant doesn't get defended well. Like if he misses a shot, it's because he missed, not because you did anything, right? Not because you like put a hand in his face and obstructed his view or something. So that's this is a theme that I think we're gonna that's gonna play out for the rest of their season where I think other teams might play a more quote unquote beautiful game, but they just have an incredible trio of finishers. It's like it, it's it's unprecedented, right? It's unprecedented. No, and there's guys who are there's guys who are better than them. Not many, but there are guys who are better or just as good as them, like LeBron and Kawhi and Steph's probably Kawhi. in there and Giannis. But those two may be the most difficult guys to defend one-on-one in the entire league. And you could say Giannis just because, I mean, who can stop him one-on-one? But I'm talking as, like, a basketball scorer scoring from all three levels. Like, they are probably the two toughest guys to defend one-on-one. So, And what's really interesting is, like, so I think Kyrie comes back tomorrow because he had a little press conference today. supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he had a press conference today, or, or just did some press, I should say. Um, and... I would definitely, I definitely recommend checking it out or at least reading the quotes because everything that fans wanted to hear Kyrie say, he said, and and you know we've been we've been critical. I don't want to say overly critical, but we've been we've definitely been critical of Kyrie, and it's good for you know him to say the things that we wanted to hear. So I would definitely tune into that. But my point is, now is when you want to start watching because we need to figure out how these three play together when they're on the court together. Right, not when they're staggered, but how do they actually look when they're together? Because, dude, Duran Harden looked like they were just having fun. Like they looked like they were brothers who hadn't seen each other in a while. So pay attention to the on-court stuff, whether it's like body language and chemistry, and a, and even little things like high fiving, and then pay attention to like the strategy and the plays and where they are on the court. Uh, but definitely check out the Nets. They're they're must-watch television. If you had to predict right now, do you think the Nets are better or worse without Kyrie? 
If I have, oh, okay, this is a really difficult question because they're better at closing basketball games with Kyrie, right? Because they just have another incredible finisher and a wrinkle they can throw in there. However, we in basketball, we always come back to this question, right? We always come back to this question of too many cooks in the kitchen. In, in the kitchen, and we we saw this question with um, we we saw this question come up when Kevin Durant went to Golden State. We saw this question come up between Chris Paul and James Harden because they both have incredibly high usage rates, and it was okay. How are they going to play together, right? How are they going to play? Who's going to be off ball? Blah blah blah. And typically, it tends to work itself out. This is a little bit different in that I'm pretty sure, and we talked about this last pop, but I'm pretty sure we've never had guys who have who, who three players that are each above 30% usage rate. So it's oh, what an impossible question. Their ceiling is high. Yes or no, man. Like you have no. to answer. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not letting you go without answering. I basically, I basically stalled for like a minute and a half. I know. <laughs> I'll put it to you this way. From it's been an incredibly short sample size, so I can I'm I'm reserving the right to change my opinion in like a week and a half, two weeks. But they looked really good with just Harden and Durant. They so good, and they, yeah. And I don't know if Kyrie mucks up the chemistry or or perhaps makes it even better. It I don't can go know. either way. I think where I stand, and I'm gonna I was barring on you for a yes or no answer, but where I stand is I think neither. I don't think he necessarily can make them better just because I don't know how much better you can get offensively, and he's not going to improve you defensively. But I don't think he's going to come in and just make everything like worse and horrible and yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, Bro, how are you going to hound me for a yes or no answer and then say neither? Okay, can I give you another yes or no question that I hope for an answer for? Yeah, but maybe I'll say neither. Okay. I don't know if you can't really say neither to this question. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what if I told you there's a guy averaging 20 and a half points and nine rebounds off 66% from the field, 52 from three and 89 from the line. Would you tell me he's an NBA all-star? Wait, wait, how many points? So 20 and a half points, nine rebounds, okay. and then 66, 52, 88 are his shooting splits. Would you tell me he's an all-star? I'm not giving you any more information. Okay. Don't be like, what's his VORP? Like, no. Tell me off those. I know who I know who it is, and I listen. I don't think this player is an all star caliber guy, but he's having an all star caliber season. Do you really know Zach? Who it go is? ahead and it's got to be Boucher, right? Those are his last six games. Freaking nailed it, yo! Like how I picked him up in fantasy after one of those games. I was like, he's bound to play now, and he's getting consistent minutes. But he has kept it up throughout six games. And if he keeps these numbers up, like, there's a legitimate statistical case for him to be an all-star, whether or not I test-wise he passes, like, all-star caliber. Because on top of that, he's averaging, like, four blocks. Like, yo, like, what is going on? Is he is he leading for most improved right now? If if he keeps this up, he has to, right? Like, he has to. He scored 20-plus he once last year. And at this point... With so the- most improved... With, I was going to say, sorry, at this point, when with Alex Len literally no, just getting released, Aaron Baines really not playing well. Boucher's going to get like 35-plus minutes a game. I 
what do you what do you do to measure most improved? Do you measure like how big of a jump that player has made, right? Or how far that player ended up going, right? Because in and here's what I mean. So like Jalen Brown is definitely going to get some most improved votes, like regardless of what happens with well the rest deserved. of the season, because he and he looks like not only an All Star caliber guy, but he looks like he's pushing the the envelope towards All NBA. But Boucher's which hell of a last name by the way um it it's sounds like an adam sandler character but his jump like his he's he's made a, he's jumped a bigger distance in my opinion oh yeah he averaged so i don't know he averaged 6 points per game last year and he, like he wasn't even like he, he shot 47% from the field and 32 from 3 like he came in for the raptors and gave spot spot energy minutes and he played a lot more than he should have just cuz gasol and abaka were were hurt but man, if he keeps this up, if he averages right around twenty points and around ten rebounds, and he, I don't think he'll keep up sixty six, fifty two, eighty eight. But if he even drops to like fifty something, forty something, and stays within the eighties in his free throw, I I think he has to win, right? Because the Raptors, yeah, right. Raptors aren't going to be as bad as they started off. They're they're still going to make the playoffs. And I was obviously riding the Jalen Suggs to the to Toronto train, very like I knew it was going to happen, but I, it was just the only thing that could keep me positive in the, in those moments but they're going to make the playoffs so he's going to play on a play those min, meaningful minutes and if he keeps this up i feel like he has to win it i agree with you man um i think he should win i'm trying to think of other guys off the top of my head who would be in that most improved category uh julius randall <laughs> you know what honestly i was i was going to say probably that. in the conversation um <laughs> i was I was going to say that. But I yeah, guess, for sure. Speaking of Chris Boucher, stay tuned because in 20 minutes or so, we interview Tark Sviet, the CEO and founder of essentially Canada Basketball Recruiting, this company called North Bowl Hoops, and we get into some Boucher and some Canada Basketball talk. So stick around for that. Matt, should we move on to Kevin Porter Jr.? Dude, p- please, 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 please. Yeah, because this is such an. Well, Zach, you know, first of all, tell everyone what happened. So. I have no idea. Okay, like, I, I got have it. no idea. <laughs> so this is well, I mean, we don't know the specifics, but we know like the the outline. So apparently he had some kind of blow up in in the locker room and Kevin Porter Jr is a guy whose talent is undeniable. When you watch this kid play, he has everything you want. Like he's definitely bigger than his listed height. He's he's bigger than 6'5". He explodes off the court, one foot, especially off of 2 feet. Really good wingspan. He has a game that, and 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 don't you know don't blow this out of proportion. But his I guess his style of play is similar to James Harden in some respects. Um, I'm not saying he's as talented as James Harden, but his style of play can be similar. And he has all the like he has a legitimate All Star potential, but he's also dealt with some off the court social, emotional, mental health um, issues, it seems like, right? And so Cleveland, I, I'm pretty sure it was it was Amico who, who put this out, but Cleveland is going to either release him or trade him. And, and they should definitely do everything. To, if they are, if they have decided they don't want him on the team anymore, they should do everything to trade him. But Zach, where is he going to go? Like what teams should be interested in him? 
I think literally everyone because he's in his second year in the league, so he can go into a rebuilding situation and fit in as a young guy in a young core. But I also literally think that he can play a role on a win-now team, like an off-the-bench scorer. Every team needs those because we saw what he did last year. He was he was great for a rookie, and I know he's not the seasoned veteran that an off-the-bench scorer like Lou Will would be or whatever, but, man, if you get him into a, a good organization like the Lakers or, like, Boston or Milwaukee, like, he could legitimately help you in the playoffs, I think. I don't know if, if you're that high on him, but I'm that high on what he can do. So I've, I've gone back and forth. So, yeah, he could help. You're right. He could help someone in the playoffs. But I've gone back and forth on this. If I was a true contender, so when I say that, I mean either Los Angeles team. When I say that, I mean Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and I'm going to put Philadelphia in there as well. And, I, and I'm still going to put the Heat in there. To me, like, those are the true, true, true contenders. I'm not sure I would put Denver in there. I'm not sure I would – as great – they've – you know, as, as good of a start they've gotten off to this year, I, I wouldn't put Phoenix in there. My Celtics – Put them in there. I would put them in – I, I no, would put, put them in, in there. there. Put Phoenix in there. Oh, so you, the Phoenix. You were, <laughs> you were more upset about Phoenix than Boston. Oh, Okay. Regardless, my, my point is this. If you if you seriously think you can contend this year, I'm not sure it's worth the risk because we know just how important a locker room is to winning to winning a championship. You know, what? I just read uh, I just finished reading Perlman's book about the Lakers, uh, the Shaq Kobe, Phil Jackson Lakers. Okay, so not his new one. No, that, that was his new one. Oh, right, right. Three Ring Circus. He wrote another one about the Showtime yes. Lakers. That's my bad. My bad, guys. My bad. No, no. Yeah. What? My bad. My what bad. That's on me. That's on me, Coach. I got to do better. <laughs> but when you read that book, the, the entire book makes it sound like the Lakers should, shouldn't have won any titles because they constantly had this locker room that was like hanging together by a thread and it could have gone either way so many times. Uh, and I think that's a lesson we got to pay attention to. So like, if I was the Lakers, I would say, you know what? In my in my opinion, the Lakers are the best team in the league right now, and I think they know that. It's not worth it for them. But there are other teams like that have a capped ceiling in terms of their the talent on their roster and don't really have many avenues to get better. So, Zach, these are teams like Portland. These are teams like, let's see. Utah? You, yes, thank you. Utah. These are teams like, what's it, like, even, Indiana? Even, yes, I was just going to say Indiana. Wow, we're reading each other's minds. We are. Those teams who don't have the assets to go out and land whatever, you know, let's say Bradley Beal is like the next guy in the market. Those teams that might not have the assets to get a Bradley Beal need to find a way to acquire cheap, you know, it's high risk, high reward, but, you know, talent. Yeah, who knows if it's and Kevin like, Porter it Jr. really high risk because this guy's making like one point seven million. Well, it's not a it's not a high financial risk, but what it can do to your locker room, I think, could be a risk. Yeah. And you know what? I, I don't know if you Good have for... to give up. I don't even think you have to give up a ton of assets for him to the point where if you get him in, no. and the locker room goes wide array and everything goes to crap, you can just release him. And obviously, it sucks that you just lost something, but I don't know if I necessarily call that high risk yeah yeah maybe you're right maybe uh maybe i put it in a maybe i mischaracterized it 
And ultimately, when you look at what Cleveland did, like I, I, I'm really applauding the Kobe Allman and, and the Cleveland Cavs and their organization because they have a good thing going right now. They're going to get some of their young guys back. They're going to get Garland and Sexton back. If not today, then very soon. I think Jared Allen plays. Uh, uh, Larry Nance Jr. is playing so good. like, And that's such a stupid kind of name to say right now. But go watch Larry Nance Jr. And, and Drummond is playing well. And they have some positive momentum. And they're trying to build a culture. And if he doesn't fit your culture, you know, m- mm. move on, I guess. Especially as a young team. Right? Yeah. I'd like to see him end up on, like, Sacramento or OKC. Maybe even New Orleans. Just a young team that can accumulate young talent and not have to worry about competing right now he he needs a team with strong leaders but not just strong leaders guys who can um empathize with his life guys who can say hey i've been there right i've been there too but this is what you got to do to have a successful nba career and that's something that nba you know true 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 nba scouts and insiders would know better than, than we would know but portland seems like a good fit it yeah. seems like Damian Lillard and CJ and, and Carmelo um, could could be that guy as well for them. So I'm rooting for Portland. I don't know what they would give up, but it does, I, don't I don't think the asking price is going to be terribly high. Yeah. I, I'd also like to see him go to a team like the Spurs or the Raptors that just have like a really, really good culture and a really good history of getting so much out of young guys and developing young guys. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see. It's uh, It's interesting. It's a really good name to look out for. Like, this is a really good young player. Uh, if he can get everything together, and hopefully he can, then you know he can have a really long career in this league. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone to compare him to. Going back to that Perlman book, maybe uh, I think we're talking about J.R. Ryder. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It might 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 be a deep cut for you guys, but but regardless, man, we wish him the best, and hopefully he catches on somewhere. So I listened to Perlman get interviewed on Howard Beck's Howard Beck's old pod, the full 48, like in the summer about interviewing about this book. And he said, when he was trying to get a hold of J.R. Ryder, like he knocked on his door and this guy was basically open door. He's like, what do you want? <laughs> and crap like that. Or maybe he was like really rough over the phone. Like he just like sounded like he had no interest. But then when he met him in person, it was just a nice guy and had a good conversation. I don't know. Something like that. But yeah, that's funny. That's a good comparison. I guess. I don't know. It's the very, he's I a think mix of J.R. Ryder and James in Harden, his book, right? To you, he's a mix of J.R. Ryder and James Harden. That's what he is. He's a yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Take that to the bank. Let's do it. (laughs) So let's just finish up on the Miami Heat, where they sit at five and seven. Them in Toronto, twelve and thirteen, five and seven, five and eight. Um, Neither of them, I don't think, are near as bad as they're playing. But more specifically, the Miami Heat. You still put them when you were talking about title contenders in your title contenders. So. I'm assuming you don't think they're near as bad as their record entails right now. Well, their talent is still there. And it looks like they found another guy in Gabe Vincent, by the way, which is like the most Miami thing you could ever do. Just pick up these guys who are kind of like unheralded NBA prospects and turn them into great players. I'm not going to – listen, I'm not going to underrate or give up on a Pat Riley, Eric Sposa, Jimmy Butler team. I'm not going to do it. But it is very weird. And the vibe and the feeling I get from this team is like trending down. It's weird. And I know that they have guys out. I know they have guys out. But they still should be better than this. And there is a difference between last year and this year. Like last year when they they, they would kind of coast for different parts of the season, 
but you always knew that it was a really talented team that can put it together. And this year, I don't get that sense yet. So I'm looking for them to show me some signs of life and let us know that last year wasn't a fluke, which like some executives has you know have said it was. I have a hard time putting any sort of observation or cap or whatever you want to say on early season stuff, but especially this year because we've talked about it before and you know everyone knows it. It's not like this is a hot take, but this is such a weird year with no fans with you know, all this COVID protocol stuff going on. Like these guys are literally like not doing anything other than basketball. And some of them get held out of basketball, not even for anything of their own fault. And it's just a weird, weird, it's just a weird year. So I have a really, like a really hard time judging this year. I think as long as you make the playoffs, you have a chance. It's weird. But when you watch them play, they also like, they'll blow some leads against people. They shouldn't be blowing leads to like Peyton Pritchard and Robert Williams tore them apart one game. It's just odd. It's odd. The whole thing is odd to me. I'm just not going to count them out because it's the Heat, man. I'm not going to count yeah. them out. And that's why I, Miami and Toronto actually play each other on Friday and Sunday. So they play each other twice here. But I expect both of them to be right in the top six, seven in, in the East. I just – I think they're both a lot better than they've been showing. I agree with you. It's a weird year, but it's a fun year, man. It's a fun NBA season so far. A lot of drama. Yeah, there's a lot of great teams. Like, there's a lot of really good competitive teams. Um, but I guess – Speaking of Toronto, we uh, our next guest, mm. Tarek Spiet, we've already kind of shouted him out earlier in the show, but he is a guy who is the CEO for Northwell Hoops, which is Canada basketball recruiting. And we interviewed him. We talked about Canada basketball, some guys in the NBA. He is a guy who personally has a relationship with all these NBA players. So it's a, it was a really great conversation, really great interview. So why don't we swing over to that? All right, we are extremely fortunate to be joined by this next guest, Tark Spiet. He's the CEO and founder of Northwell Hoops and the NPA, the National Preparatory Association, I believe. Uh, Tark, first off, hey, how's uh, how's life treating you in Canada? I guess I'm in Canada too, but <laughs> <laughs> can't complain, guys. Can't complain. Thanks for having us or having me. And uh, yeah, it's excited to talk some ball. It's uh, it's been a crazy 2020, 2020 year, but. Uh, mm. Well, a lot of adjustments have been made, you know, like we just set off record controlling the controllables. So a lot of that. And uh, we're off to the races here 2021. For sure. Uh, so obviously we mentioned North Pole Hoops. We do have a decently big American following. And on top of our American following, Matt, my co-host, is American. So can you kind of explain to them what North Pole Hoops is and when you started and what's kind of, you know, just the basis of what it is? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it. North Pole Hoops has evolved over the years. Um, it started off as a website and media platform along with the scouting side of things. So scouting, uh, I guess the best way to compare, like a rivals.com, a scout.com, a ESPN.com when it comes to the recruiting. Um, so recruiting website. And then it really evolved into the, you know, the event side of things, higher level multimedia in terms of video. And it was formed, in, you know, leagues, camps, tournaments, a little bit of five-star basketball, a little bit of, you know, like I said, rival scout. Um, and it's really evolved into a pathway for student athletes from as young as 10 years old uh, to help them get to the highest levels all the way to the NBA. And uh, most recently, I think the biggest development was uh, our co-founder and my brother, partner Elias, uh, has transitioned over to the next level as an NBA player agent. So he's kind of able to now, you know, support those uh, careers and support them at the highest level. 
Um, and so really it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's become a pathway with exposure opportunities, development, uh, guidance, mentorship, and kind of everything in between. And, you know, you just gave a pretty good rundown of how your, your programs changed over time, but with this, you know, everyone knows it's no secret. There's been this influx of, you know, really great Canadian basketball talent. Um, how has recruiting just overall or in general changed over time in, in Canada since we've seen the success of guys like Jamal Murray and even like, you know, Kelly Olenek and going back to Corey Joseph and, and, and more recently RJ Barrett. So are you seeing like that it's starting? Cause I feel like there is kind of this American bias. Do you see that that bias is maybe starting to disappear a little bit? Yeah. I mean, you got 20 Canadians in the NBA currently you got over 150 in the NCAA, but those 20 in the NBA all serve as a precedent that, Hey, you can, mm. you can utilize as a reference point. Hey, because he looks like the next version of that. Um, and we actually just got off the call right before this with New Mexico State. Uh, and we've been on these call, Zoom video calls with all our clients and, and, and working. Because we've been expanding the scouting department, trying to keep up with all the talent. There's so much, you know, so we need need more people, need more eyes on the ground, and which is a good problem to have. But in terms of, you know, these Canadians that are doing it at the highest levels, the Jamal Murrays, we could say, hey, Benedict Maturin, freshman over at Arizona, is, and I've said it before, he's like the Quebec's version of Jamal Murray mentally. Um, so, and then what it does for, obviously does it for college coaches in the college basketball community, uh, but then it also does the mainstream too when, you know, parents and kids look and say, hey, like I can make it. Just like we can make it in the NHL and hockey, we can do it in basketball as well. So it really puts things uh, into perspective when you have – it's not just the, like how it was before where might have been like a Steve Nash or a Jamal McGlure or Joel Anthony. It's just like little, little moments. Um, I mean, with respect, Steve Nash back-to-back MVP. Uh, but what I'm saying is like every single year for the last 10 years, you've had Canadians uh, since 2011, or I believe, uh, every year you have Canadians getting to the NBA. So it's, that number has just been growing progressively. Yeah, and we've shouted out guys like on this pod, Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett, and you with Norfolk Hoops obviously get to work with those guys from the time they're, like you said, even as young as 10 years old. So I want you to tell us one guy that you saw, whether it was at the high school level or even younger, whatever, and you just immediately knew this guy was going to be like a top-tier NBA player, just like you knew he was going to make it. That's an easy one. That's Jamal Murray. And uh, we were like, singing his praises since he was 14, 15. Um, and a big part of that was how he approached the game, how he approached life, very different, very uh, in credit to his father, Roger. Uh, you know, a big part of kind of preparing him, whether it's meditation, whether it's, you know, staying off of social media and staying laser focused. Like he wasn't like, say, uh, you know, like a Tristan Thompson or an RJ Barrett, um, or guys like that that physically were early bloomers. You know, he grew into like he's even if you look at him right now, he's not a freak athlete, but he's worked on his athleticism and his skill set. He, he has been blessed. You know, he is six three, six four, so he's definitely got the size for position. But how he put together the package, that is all you know directly associated with his mindset. And uh, you know, he's the bar that we when we talk to these kids coming up. You know, and, and 
you know, AJ Lawson is a guy we work with very closely. And um, a lot of guys, you know, uh, we utilize Jamal as the reference point of, hey, there's levels to this thing. And, you know, I remember Jamal, he was 16 or 17. And I was talking to different kind of college coaches and club coaches. I, t- I remember and we debated about it because I was felt so strongly about it was he was 16, 17. And I'm like, put him in the NBA right now. And he would hold his own. And they were just like, come on. And I'm like, I'm telling you, he might get banged around because he wasn't physically quite there yet. But he's not back. Like, he won't look out of place. He'll be able to compete at that level. So, um, you know, that would be the one the easy one, you know, that really stands out. Yeah, no. Jamal is obviously amazing. And then even to just get recruited to Kentucky, let alone play a very prominent role there, you, you have to be good now. I kind of have the same question, but a little bit in reverse. Who was a guy that you looked at at the high school age that, you know, they weren't necessarily bad, but you're like, you know, this kid's he's solid. He'll, he'll make a nice little college prospect, but he has just blossomed way out of what you expected. Well, I think that uh, the player that is in the NBA right now that was a, a, a big-time late bloomer but had the physicals uh, was Mifiyandu Kabengale mm. uh, out of Burlington, Ontario plays for the Clippers, you know, it's funny because he was on the same high school team locally in Burlington with Simi Shitu, mm-hmm. who's with the Chicago Bulls G League uh, team with the Windy City. Um, and it's just, it's, Simi was always the guy, though, coming up. Like, he was national team player and, you know, highly recruited at the high major level. Mifiandu kind of, like, crept up on guys, uh, especially like around 18, 19, where he's playing his game together. He was raw early on, but ended up at Florida State and then gets drafted. Like, he got drafted out of, if I'm not mistaken, he got drafted out of Florida State as the sixth man at Florida State. So, you know, he got drafted based on, obviously, production, but his upside as far as being like a 6'10 guy that can has a good feel, can stretch it out a bit. And I, I know they're still working with him, but... um. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys don't even know me if you undo Kabangale. He's actually uh, Dikembe Matambo's nephew. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, these are the little nuggets that, uh, that, yeah. that Zach and I, like, feast on. Um, but, you know, so what I was wondering is, you know, in, in the States, we have certain regions that are hotbeds for basketball, right? Like, um, there's some New England prep school stuff. You can go to Seattle. You can go to uh, Southern California, the Atlanta area, um, places down in Texas. You, you've kind of uh, you dropped Burlington, but you know where else could people look to as maybe like the hotbed region that uh, yeah. like all these talents are coming from? That's a good question. Yeah. So I mean. Big time, the the kind of outskirts, the the suburbs uh, uh, outside of Toronto have been big. You look at the, you know, especially early on, if it's Brampton, you know, it's Mississauga, you know, like guys like R.J. Barrett, Nick Stauskas, uh, Trist, uh, Tristan Thompson, like all these guys from the Anthony Bennett, uh, you know, all these guys were coming out of that Peel region. Um, but then you took it to a, another kind of, Further, further west, I guess you could say, and I think it's extremely underrated. Southwest Ontario, right? You had mentioned Mifiandu Kabengale from uh, from Burlington. Um, you have Michael Mulder from Windsor. You have Jamal Murray from Kitchener. 
Um, and, and a lot of guys at the, both the D1 level and the NBA level from the Southwest. Uh, so that's definitely a, a hotbed. And, it's, and the upside is crazy because it's, it's, it's really growing in, in the Halton region in the Southwest Ontario. A lot of activity there. And then let's take it outside of Ontario and go over to Montreal. It's, it's crazy. Like over there, it's like it's building. Like kind of what Tristan Thompson and Corey Joseph were for, you know, the pioneers of Canadian basketball or this new wave. In that same sense, Chris Boucher, you know, Lugens Dor. Like these are guys that are setting a new standard. And it's just ironic that, you know, Boucher plays for Toronto. Um, but like these guys are, are, are doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, you can't forget Shea Gilgis Alexander, Hamilton, Ontario, right? So you look at our top dogs. Think about that. You know what I mean? This is our Southwest Ontario guys. You know, Toronto actually is it's obviously the, the the city that's most uh, uh relatable from a from a american or from a global perspective because it's a massive city um but you know what like and, and toronto definitely has a lot of stuff coming uh but if we just do a comparison of of, of where they're coming from specifically pinpoint it i think you'll find it interesting that you know it's southwest ontario it's montreal and of course toronto and and the, the kind of Yvonne, right? Nikhil Alexander-Walker played at Vaughn Secondary, but, you know, I guess Toronto can claim him. Um, you know, so that those are the kind of the regions that uh, come to my mind. And then in Western Canada, there's there's a lot of good things coming. I think they're a couple years away. Just how we just talked about Ontario. Then we have the Quebec boom that's coming right now. And then I think there's going to be another boom in Western Canada. It's going to probably be another three to five years from now. Yeah, and I mean, Canada's talent is just growing and growing, and we've talked about guys like Jamal Murray and Shea Gills-Alexander who are already pretty well-prominent NBA players, and then you brought up like Dort and Boucher, who, I mean, Boucher in the last six games is literally averaging like 20 and 10. He's, yeah. he's been ridiculous. Start the man. Nick Nurse, start the man immediately. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, they actually <laughs> just released Alex Len as we were talking, so there's another. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. There's Breaking another, news. <laughs> there's another center out of the way, but we bring up all these NBA players, and you just look, and the Olympics were supposed to be this year, and obviously they weren't because of all that happened, but yeah. if every top-tier player played for their country, Obviously, the U.S. would still be number one. But where do you think Canada falls in that pecking order? Two. 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 In terms of talent, two, easily. Yeah, we have, uh, like I said, we have 20 Canadians in the NBA with a bunch of guys on the come up. Um, it's the most in the world outside of America. So from a talent perspective, purely talent, two. But then we've got to talk about, you know, chemistry, team chemistry, commitment to the country. Andrew Wiggins is, the, I think Andrew Wiggins might be the only question mark. I think everyone else is pretty on board given time slots, contracts, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into operating at the highest level on a world-class level uh, for the senior national team. Now, obviously, RJ Barrett and the crew there, uh, Abu Kigab, Danilo Djordjic, these guys were, they proved that they could do it at the junior level, right? Winning Canada's first world championship for basketball at any level. Um, so there's, there's some hope, but now it's like, okay, let's take it. Up a notch. So I remember first hearing about R.J. Barrett because of his his junior national team stuff. And, I, and if I remember correctly, I think that's how he first really got on the radar. But I, he's someone who uh, I love following his career. And, and so Zach and I play a game every podcast. And it's called, hey, 
imagine if, right? So this is what we want to do on the show. Um, I, and, and I'm going to ask you this question. So, hey, imagine if I were to tell you R.J. Barrett shoots 36% from three for his career. What type of player, like what is his ceiling if that three-point shot becomes at least average? Oh, I think he's an NBA all-star, uh, a la like DeMar DeRozan without mm. three-point shot. You add the three-point shot, which I think it's coming. I mean, I, I mean, he puts in work. That's the thing. Like last year they said, uh, you know, he averaged like 15. He didn't shoot great percentages as a rookie with the Knicks. And people are calling him like a bust. I'm like, man's 19 years old, average. And you know he's going to get better because that's the thing. Mm. Like you talked about the mental side, Jamal Murray. RJ Barrett is, is in that is in that range, you know, in terms of mental toughness. And he's what I refer to as chasing championships. Like they want to be excellent at what they do at the highest level. And you look at his mannerisms on the floor with the Knicks, you know, never, he's, he's strictly business. It's never too high, never too low. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, like the Rosen, you know, is his, I think his floor and, uh, look, I said when I were, when he was 15 or 16, I said, this guy might be the MVP of the NBA one day. <laughs> like I said that, you know what I mean? So I, I know who he is and his makeup, and I, like, don't doubt him at all, you know? So he's going to – and the crazy thing about it is with the Knicks is the moves that they're making in front office and leadership and culture, like, I was talking to my buddy about this. I think they're gonna they're gonna challenge that for that eighth spot in the playoffs. They're gonna be around a five hundred team, and like, you know, from New York, like that's exciting because <laughs> of how abysmal they've been over the years. But like, they believe in Randall. They believe in uh, uh, you know uh, RJ and the guy, and they have a lot of pieces like multi dimensional defenders, length, athleticism, um, and it's very different team than last year. I can watch them last year. This year, I'm like mm. I'm following them. You know, like. They move well, and, and Coach Timberwolves is a big part of that. But from top down, organizationally, to the coaches and all the players. So I um, j- j- and like just a quick follow up to that. Like one of the things that I think uh, it still remains really underrated with with RJ Barrett's game is his vision. Like I think he's such an incredible passer. And when you look at some of the stuff he does, like the cross court passes, either hand, um, I. I sometimes wonder if he's being used correctly. Like, do, do you think there's more potential for him to, to run more pick and rolls, to be more of a playmaker? Or do you think that – I guess what I'm saying is the Knicks have this kind of obvious point guard problem. Should he get at least some a little more reps being like a distributor? Yeah, no, I, I think that they have several guys, and especially like um... – Peyton, they got, and then they got Quigley, correct? Yeah, so those yeah, two guys, good. Do, they're pretty well. Like, I, I like what they're doing at the point guard spot. Now, the thing about RJ is you, you can't put him on a box and say he's a point guard or shooting guard. He can play positions, really. One, two, three, on both ends of the floor. And mm-hmm. you can only truly play the positions if you can defend the position. I think he defend one, two, and three. He's got that strength, toughness. Um, and he'll get his time. He'll get his time. And the thing is, like, He's not quite there yet at that level. I think he'll get there in terms of because that just takes reps and experience to develop the feel at that level to make plays on a consistent basis at the one spot. But he's he's a you know he, he they play him as a combo. Um, and the thing is is that what's interesting if you look at Canada, 
Shea Gilgis Alexander, RJ Barrett, you know, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, AJ Lawson coming next. Like they're six, 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 seven combo guards. You know what I mean? Length and they're very similar molds. It's very interesting, like how much of those kind of guys we're producing right now. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is super cool. And we're obviously very thankful of your time. I just have a couple more questions yeah, to well. finish up on. Uh, so Matt and I kind of talk about this a lot when we see guys like Ty- Tyler Hero, who are great at Kentucky, get drafted really late. And, you know, it's kind of because maybe his measurables aren't the best. You know, the long wingspan, the height necessarily isn't there. When you guys are kind of recruiting players and help kind of making those lists, how important of a factor do you play into – measurables yeah i mean those are the obvious tidbits right that you when you think about scouting and 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 talent evaluation the easiest stuff to pick out now at the nba level i think the most over like physicals are the most overrated thing because everyone has physicals you know for the most part but what i learned and, and kind of trial through error what we've learned is you know how much the mental aspect plays into a part uh when you go from high school to college, but definitely from like the progression to the NBA and how few guys make it there. It's all mental. The guys that make it are mentally tough. The guys that don't are, are not there yet. You know, Anthony Bennett did not have a strong mental makeup. He fit the physicals, but everyone has the physicals at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, yeah, like I think if that answers your question, you know, like, uh, Physicals are important, but like when we're talking about the highest levels, they become less important. And college goes up a notch, and then NBA goes up a big notch. Right, and that's where we kind of stood on it. Obviously, as just these random podcasters, but we kind of noted how physicals. Obviously, if you're six fourth a long wingspan compared to six two with not a long wingspan, it is beneficial. But at the end of the day, like you said, the mental game and then just your overall skill set and your smarts those play so much of a bigger factor. Um, so for this year, obviously, with, you know, school ball being canceled in some areas and really restricted in others, recruiting's obviously been very difficult for anything. How how have you guys kind of changed up what you've done, especially being in Canada? Because in the States, obviously, it's difficult, but they're still right there with the schools and stuff. So has it been really difficult this year? And what kind of changes have you guys made towards that? I think it's been uh, a great opportunity for us to grow in a different way. I thought course it's challenging and i think for me personally in my role like the most challenging thing was keeping the morale of our team high and letting them understand and see that there's another way like for me like i've been blessed to have dealt with a lot of uh you know uh depression five four five years ago where you know it's i felt like that prepared me for covid because when things popped off in march like I already, I knew what it was going to be, you know what I mean? And I, I felt like it was a great opportunity. And that, the biggest challenge was keeping everybody on board, keeping them believing that we can do this. And as time pro- has progressed, you know, we've made a lot of changes to the company. Uh, obviously, the biggest area that was hit was our, uh, our, our event side of our business. And at that time, spring, summer being our high season for events, took 85% of our revenue uh, as a company. So, we could have easily folded, but that's that's that was not going to happen. Um, uh, we, we were looking at bigger companies than North Pole Hoops that were shutting down and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, through that, it's like, hey, guys, like, there is a way. Um, and 
the biggest change has probably been because we host these exposure camps when we identify talent across the country. We weren't hosting exposure camps, right? So what we did instead is now we're doing, and again, we got off of what, uh, one of those earlier today, a recruiting consultation, which is where we now, so the idea of the showcase was we go, we identify the talent, we build their profiles, we go to the next city and we, we do it again and build the database. Now it's actually better because it's more cost efficient and time efficient where we do these video calls with a, a student athlete and his parent and we're getting a more intimate uh, approach to who they are as people, right? What, have they, what are they doing? What are they focused on? And we can get visuals and stuff like that. So it's really helped us like clean up a lot of areas, address a lot of area, our, our areas of improvement or weak areas and really just strengthen them, you know, and that's like on a non-basketball level, fellas, like that's what I would share with and what I try to share with everybody, like with COVID, you know, it's, it's tough times, but you either stop or you keep going, you know what I mean? And you figure out a way to stay, you know, stimulated, uh, you know, have purpose in life. And, uh, you know, when, when it first popped off in March, the first thing that I did, knowing that like shit, 85% of our revenue was hit, I went straight to the phones and started making calls for kids and helping get scholarships. Because when we start to operate, uh, when it's not about us, the individual, and it's about others, I got a lot of energy out of that, you know, from, from parents and kids and they're appreciative and all that. So, yeah, I know we're, we're probably going away from basketball, but like on some life stuff, like that's, that's, uh, we try to lead by example, right? Through our actions. So, uh, you know, for anyone listening, like, you know, you stay strong, keep moving, keep moving forward. Even if it's like small, small doses on the daily, like just keep going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's awesome. You're uh, definitely a great guy. North Pole hoops is such a, such a great organization. I was telling Matt essentially like in my best attempt to explain what it was, I was saying if you're in Canada and you like basketball or play basketball, like, you know what North Pole Hoops is and you know that it's definitely the face of it. Uh, I just want to leave on this one last question, uh, give you an opportunity to give us some names of Canadian high schoolers to watch out for. Caleb Houston, Michigan bound. I'll start with him. Uh, Enoch McCoy, Michigan State bound. Um, I mean, we got a lot of guys. Oh, Fierno Silla. Uh, he's a 2022 class. Interesting one. He's from Guinea. We've been getting a lot of these African kids and kids from all over the world now coming to Canada. Uh, hey, we're going to say this. Uh, I said this behind the scenes. I'm telling it to you guys here on, on the pod. Canada is becoming the basketball capital of the world. Matt, I know you might not like to hear it. The American guys are like, <laughs> But and what I mean by that is that beyond basketball, like people want to come to Canada from all over the world on a educational, healthcare system, socioeconomic level. And uh, you know, example is one example is Thierno Silla, who's an NBA prospect, one of the biggest prospects coming out of Africa, and he's. Playing at a private school here in Toronto, they play in our National Park Association. Like once it, once the action gets back live, excited to see what he becomes. So they'll have like high majors all over him, and I'll leave you with like a couple more names that are more like this upcoming class. Um, oh, Charles Bellyaco, uh, a T who is recruited at the high major level, he currently plays at IMG in Florida, and then here's a couple more internationals. Atiki Atiki, who's either going to probably end up at Oklahoma or BYU, uh, from Tanzania. And 
Abubakar Traor from the Ivory Coast. He's like a Dwayne Wade type, like NBA prospect. So, and of course, last one, can't forget my guy, AJ Lawson over at South Carolina. He just really flipped that mental switch of maturity, uh, dropped five points against number 10-ranked 10, 10 Houston about a month and a half ago, and then turned it up since, averaging 27 a game. Mm. 27, 5, in SEC play too, 27, 5, three steals. Like, he's he's going to be on the draft boards. Uh, he was on the draft boards, kind of went up and down, but now it's like, okay, he's moved up the next level. So, mm. look up for A.J. Lawson, South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah. I might move to Canada. I might do it. <laughs> Come on over, man. It seems like such a smart decision. Um, and, you know, whenever Zach introduces me, like, oh, you know, you know, Matt Matt lives in America. I'm like, Zach, you, you can skip that. Like, we don't need to – we don't need that right now. You Maybe wait a couple of years and then you can start saying that. Hey, you know what? Like, I, I got so many American friends and family. I love my American people. And uh, they do a lot of great things in the States. Uh, some things not so great. But what I always try to look at it was from an angle of, like, take the good and leave the bad. You know what I mean? So, uh, and it's a tough time for the states right now. But you know, just just some type of stability and where, wherever you know you stand on the public, uh, excuse me, political spectrum. Just the transition part is the hardest part of anything. And just like okay, it's moving now. It's Biden in leadership, cool. And at least like now. God bless, man. God wins. You know, we see what happens moving forward. But like. It's crazy, man. And it's not just America, though. It's on a global level, right? Like, you know, China, you got America, you got superpowers going at it different ways. It's it's, it's a wild time. But again, like, try to control the controllables, right? Like, right. focus on us as individuals. Like, government's not bailing us out one way or another. Like, we got we got our own stuff to take care of. So that's what we try to keep it to. Right, no. And I mean, that's such a, a good way to live life is control what you can control and always just spread yeah. posit positivity in every chance you get because adding negativity to an already you know negative world, it's going to just create a bigger fire. So, Fellas, day by day, we're like, look at us. We're, we're talking about ball on a podcast. You know what I mean? That's mm. that's a blessing in itself. You know what I mean? So little, little things like that every day, it's just that's what we got to focus on. Yeah. Well, hey, Tark, we uh, really appreciate your time. Those of you, uh, I guess, outside of Canada, not just America, check out North Pole Hoops and go uh, check out some Canadian ballers because there's uh, some serious upcoming talent. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. We stayed up till the morning. Talking till the first light of dawn.